Welcome to the Beyond Stuck podcast with Coletta Jones-Patterson, where we feature guests who have overcome the odds and have gotten unstuck. In their words, they share with us practical insight and tips on how to go beyond stuck and enjoy life. On today's episode, our guest is Diawani Tate. Diawani is a Mississippi native residing in Southern California. She brings a wealth of knowledge and expertise to the field of community development with a background in mental health and 20 plus years in leadership. Diawani is currently working with individuals impacted by mass incarceration. She has taught incarcerated men and women and is currently a guardian of children left at the border. Her heart is for the church to provide intentional and holistic care and walk alongside this community as they heal from any trauma. Please join me in welcoming today's guest, Diawani Tate. Diawani, welcome to the Beyond Stuck podcast. Hello, how are you? I am good, and it's coming through loud and clear. Okay, great, great. (laughs) Yeah, so thanks for taking the time to share your journey with us. Um, Excited to hear what you have. So we're just going to jump right in and talk about this notion of being stuck. So how would you define stuck? I would define stuck as the inability to move emotionally because my focus is not on what God said about me or his ability to help me, but I'm stuck on what I can do in my own strength. Mm, That's really good. So stuck in your own strength. I like that. And what he can do through us. So thinking about that definition, what were some ways that you can think of that you were stuck? Well, over the years, I think I've been stuck in a few areas and I'm still working on moving from the unstuck, Mm -hmm. moving to get to the unstuck column. But today I wanted to share a time I was stuck in 2006 following one of the largest and most destructive category five storms that hit the U.S. Gulf Coast. That storm was named Hurricane Katrina, Mm -hmm. and the name Katrina means pure. And I remember people referring to Hurricane Katrina during that time as a mighty purifying wind Mm -hmm. that came through the um, Gulf Coast. Yep, I remember. (laughs) And uh, it was, yeah, it was really detrimental, I think, for a lot of people and kind of just caught us by surprise, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, that we weren't prepared for. So how did that cause you to get stuck? So when Hurricane Katrina hit, I was working at a job that I like. I was a disability specialist for young children, but my background was in mental health. So during that time, I knew that they were working overtime because they were doing the emergency responses, trying to make sure people were okay. And I'm a helper by nature. So I called the Department of Mental Health and talked to one of my former colleagues who was a, a good buddy, Andrew Day, just mm-hmm. to check in and check on them. And I come from a line of cooks, so we were prepared to help serve in that way. And I said, are you all okay? Mm-hmm. Um, would you like a home-cooked meal? We can do that. And he said that they, they had everything. They were just real busy. And he calls me back about two weeks later and asked if I wanted a job. Mm. I said, tell me more. <laughs> so... He explained how um, they were putting together a team to help people who had been impacted by Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. And I I said, yeah, because that was my thing. And I remember one of my colleagues at the time questioning my decision. 
and ask me, are you sure you want to do that? Because, you know, those jobs are temporary. And I said, yeah, they're projected to last anywhere from a year to a year and a half. And she was, you know, asking, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's a $20,000 increase. Mm-hmm. And it gives me the ability to do what I love doing, and that's helping people. So Andrew got me the information. I was able to, just one funny thing, I, I'm a slight perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And the application he gave me, I didn't want to write on it um, because my <laughs> handwriting looks like I, I went to medical school. But um during that time, there weren't a lot of typewriters available. People had transitioned from typewriters to the keyboards. And I went, I was all over the Jackson metropolitan area looking for a typewriter. And I landed one at a funeral home. So that's an oh, wow. interesting <laughs> story. So anyway, I got, I got, um, got the application done, got on, and I was able to serve as a manager covering 10 counties with about 110 staff people mm. which was which was interesting and challenging but it we made it work um the job went on for about a year mm-hmm. and i found myself unemployed during that time honestly we they they prepared us and told us that the job would be ending in my mind i thought i would be back on my feet mm-hmm. within three weeks three weeks after we um, we were laid off because I'm talented, I have experience, I have charisma, you know, I'm one of, right. I'm one of Jesus's sisters. So <laughs> I just knew a job was waiting for me. I honestly thought that. Mm-hmm. And man, when I tell you, one of the things that season taught me was it doesn't matter how talented you are, how gifted you are, how smart you think you are. If God doesn't sign off on that plan, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And and I went through a period. That period lasted for about five years. Wow. Um, And I remember thinking, like, every day I knew something was going to come through. Well, after a few months of nothing coming through, you start questioning, and you have to be mindful of your thoughts. That was one of my problems. Um, mm-hmm. I can get stuck in my thoughts. And and mm-hmm. that was that was my problem. I wasn't meditating on God's word or what he said. I was focused on my abilities, the giftings that he gave me, but I should have been focused on the the giver of the gift. And at that time I was just how why did I not get this job? I'm right. overqualified. And it literally got to the point where I was applying for, for jobs that I was overqualified for one was at a clothing store i remember mm-hmm. walking in and the lady said um we just hired someone off the street yesterday what mm-hmm. <laughs> so going through that period and i would challenge people to be mindful that you you don't go too far with that because mm-hmm. i actually saw myself two steps away from the soup kitchen line and i think that's when i lost it emotionally mm-hmm. and i remember sharing that with my mother like if i don't get something soon I'm going to be going to the soup kitchen. And I love her response (laughs) and the tone that she presented it in. And basically she was like, you're, you're not going to the soup kitchen. Mm -hmm. And she shut it down. Like that's nonsense. And I would challenge people, make sure you have people that can speak life around you when you're going through those times. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way I came out of it, I was, I was talking to a friend. I think we were at my mom's house for gumbo night or something. Um, 
young pastor named Orlando's Powell, and I remember sharing with him where I was because he caught me when I was stuck and emotionally having a temper tantrum with God because he was just, he was taking too long with Uh this, or so I thought. And I remember sharing with him, and my question to him was, what am I going to do? Because at this point, I see myself going through, you know, these changes. And his Mm -hmm. response to me is one that I remember to this day, and it helps me get through challenging times today. And he said, you're going to just sit back and allow God to complete the work that he started in you. He said, there is a special fruit that you can only get in the valley. You can't get it on the mountaintop. It's only in the valley that you can find this fruit. And I'll be honest, nothing spiritual came to my (laughs) mind at that time. I just thought, I'm having a temper tantrum. I'm inviting you to this party. And he refused to come in. And he put it, he put my focus back on where it should have been. And that was the work that God is trying to do in me. So Mm -hmm. I didn't appreciate it in the moment because honestly, I just wanted somebody else in this party, but I appreciate his response even more now. And my mother's response of that's ridiculous. Get back on track in your thinking and let's move forward. So Mm -hmm. some of the fruit that, um, that came as a result of my long stint of unemployment. And I wasn't mm-hmm. completely unemployed because President Bush was in office then, and one of his his um, things was the abstinence program. So I, I got a contract to do some abstinence work in mm-hmm. communities with children and youth, well, youth, because they had to be a certain age. But um, that contract allowed me to make $1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Man, I was living off $1,000 a month. Wow, And some people might be like, that's all. But at the time I was living in my mother's rental property. So that was taken care of. I just had utilities and I had a Suburban. Mm -hmm. And I remember paying off the Suburban during this downtime. So that's one of the fruits. I paid off a major bill. Mm -hmm. Um, When that ran out, unemployment came. President Obama got elected and he kept signing off on, because we had the housing crisis to hit too. Mm-hmm. So unemployment came in and I was like, thank you, Jesus. He signed it just for me. Never mind the millions of <laughs> other Americans that needed the help. But right. during that time, I was working in my community. Um, and the way that started, well, I was working in the community with the abstinence program. And I remember getting a call from um, a good friend, Katrina Gibbs, Mm-hmm. who was an attorney at the time who has a passion for helping young people. She mm-hmm. calls me out of the blue and she says, Dear Wani, um, I want to do a summer camp, but she was an attorney at the time with her own practice, so she didn't have time to do it. She mm-hmm. said, I want you to do it and I'll fund it. Hey, wow, <laughs> we love it when we get calls from the funders <laughs> right. because part of my part of my experience was creating summer camps when I was working in community mental health. So this was right up my alley. What I did not know is that it will bring together communities because we were getting kids from different churches, different communities, making things happen. Mm -hmm. And the fruit from that is still alive and well today from the relationships that were built during that time in a Christian atmosphere. So that was one of the fruit, Um, that came up for me being unemployed. The one that stands out the most was a family member who was sick, a young cousin. Mm -hmm. We call him James Jr. He got sick. We didn't know what was going on. And I remember his 
first cousin coming to me saying he's in the hospital and it was a night we were having an event for the youth. Mm-hmm. And he said, but it's just for observation. That was on a Saturday night. Well, Sunday morning we get to church. He's made a turn for the worst. And I remember the next week and a half to two weeks, um, I was able to support that family during the time of his illness. Mm-hmm. He didn't make it and he transitioned. But I remember being able to walk with that family like I had had mm-hmm. walked with no other. Um, another cousin and I, Natalie, was she was in real estate. So she was unemployed, too. And mm-hmm. we made a pact. And the pact was one of us will always be with the family, whether it was at the hospital or after he transitioned at the house. And that's what we did. And one day I remember it was it was almost 10 o'clock and I had some other stuff that happened that day and I didn't make it by the house. Mm -hmm. And there was a pull on me to go to the house. And I'm thinking it's too late. I don't need to go there now. I got to the house about 10, 15 and his mother told me something that confirmed the pool that I was feeling earlier. And she said, Wani, I've been waiting on you all day. Man, mm-hmm. that, that did something to me because you never yeah. know. And today, you know, I, I see it more clearly now. Mm-hmm. But back then, God started showing me now, had you been working, you would not yeah. be able to support this family and be here in a way that they needed you to be here had you been working. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I think about that, it's like, God is so awesome. He knows what we need. Like I, you, yeah. you, I can never say that I need some, some downtime and being unemployed because too many other things <laughs> come with that. But can I tell you that that unemployment time during that time has prepared me for another time that I will find myself unemployed that I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us saw coming. And that's when Sister Corona came through. Yeah. But the fruit that I got from being unemployed back in 2006 has helped me to manage and navigate unemployment in 2020 when it hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I can say today is I've learned God as a provider in this season. Man, yeah. he's taken the best care of me. Um, I was working at a jail as a teacher, maximum security, and I have some buddies that work in jail. It was two different schools in the jail. One of my buddies that worked in the jail was named Johnny. He calls me because all of their teachers got laid off. Some of our teachers were either placed on furlough or laid off. I was in that furlough group. So again, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be back on our feet as soon as they get this virus under control. We're going right. in. Um, that hadn't happened yet. Um <laughs> So Johnny calls me out of the blue and he says, hey, D, um, we have food if you need it. So part of his family's ministry was running food pantries. His father did that years ago when they were kids out of his his garage. And I said, OK, well, we didn't know what that would do. Mm-hmm. I was going and I asked him, I said, OK, I can use some food. but Can I get enough for 10 families? So I was never just going for me. That grew from 10 families to about 250 families we were feeding per week. Again, Corona fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've paid off two major bills in this season. I can't really I tell know. you how that happened. All I know is something supernatural that happens. And yeah. what I've learned is when when I see the facts, like the news, man, and I, I'm guilty of watching it every day. Mm-hmm. 
but I had to be careful not to get in that headspace that I was in doing Katrina. So this time I think I navigated a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, I had people around me that were speaking life Mm -hmm. and God just started showing me some things. So I was able to show up for families that really benefited for food. So it wasn't just for me. And that's another thing I'm learning. It's not just about me. It's can God use you in this season of crisis? Can God use you during this time? Um, when everything on the news is bad, can God use you to believe in him? So when Corona hit, it was right before Easter. I found a red scarf that, that was pretty, a pretty nice scarf, but it's on my doorpost. Mm -hmm. I was like, Lord, Corona is going to pass by here and people close to me Mm -hmm. are going to be protected. It's still up there. And I remember a friend coming by, you still have that? Oh, it's going to stay there till these (laughs) numbers go down. Yeah. Just a reminder of, you know, God has got this. We don't have it. God has got this. So that's some of the fruit that I got from Katrina and Corona. Wow. That's a lot. And it sounds like you really got kind of unstuck from your own negative thoughts, thinking about, you know, what's going to happen the next day, not having a job and months going by not having a job. But you were able to put things into perspective. You had a positive support network around you, keeping you grounded, speaking life into the situation. Um, And so you were able to move forward. And I think in the beginning, you said that, you know, God's not done yet. He still got some things in the works. Right, right. The fruit and the lessons that you've learned, you've been able to use those to get unstuck. So I want you to talk a little bit more because, like you said, 2020 has been a rough year. There have been a lot of people that lost jobs, lost loved ones, just a year of loss and trauma. And um, I think as we begin to come out of it, we're going to begin to see a lot of the results of the traumatic experiences that people have had. And you've done a lot of work in mental health. So we share a little bit about maybe, and this may throw you off a little bit, but what are some things we can do to be prepared as we navigate back to what, you know, we feel like will be normal, but helping people in crisis who have dealt with some major trauma, like what can we do as the church? What can we do as an individual to really be there for people? Okay. One, one thing I will say to the individual is stop watching the news. If you're watching it, like I was that Mm -hmm. that's just not healthy. Um, Take a fast from the news and other media outlets. You can stay abreast of what's going on, but don't, I got stuck in that. Um, some mm-hmm. other things would be maintain those things that you do to feel good or that help you for me. Um, I, I would love to say hiking, but that would just be a lie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, I, I remember feeling after I went for a walk, what that felt like to my body. So if exercising is your thing, managing your stress is key. Yeah. Part of that. Part of that entails managing people around you, um, being careful because there are some people you can talk to. Your stress goes up before. If if you see their number on the caller ID, you see their name. It's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. and I will say to you, it's OK to limit your interactions with people during that time. And even outside of crisis, um, stick mm-hmm. to the word, man. Mm-hmm. I love hearing sermons that that. um talk to me about God's bigness. And that was part of my stuckness. I didn't focus on God's bigness. Mm-hmm. So spiritually speaking, stay around healthy people that speak life. If it's people that's always negative, Nancy, avoid those people. Do something fun. Do mm-hmm. self-care. 
um, practice medic meditation, whatever self care or whatever is fun for you. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff helps and it helps to keep your mind where it should be. Yeah, that's really good. And one thing too is seek help and support. If you need it, you might need to go see a counselor or a therapist just to work through just to help process some of what you've gone through. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. So exactly. seek help, build up that positive support network, take care of yourself. Cause we're going to begin to see, you know, a lot of people needing help and our own selves needing help as we come out of this and kind of transition. Um, so looking back, how would you say your life is different now from those lessons that you learned um, when you were able to get unstuck? I feel like I'm able to rest now. It takes a lot of energy and, and, Looking over the years, I, I've wasted a lot of energy mm -hmm. focused on what I could do, how I could fix the problem, because I'm a fixer, naturally. Mm -hmm. So if there's a crack in the door, I can finagle it and make it work. Mm -hmm. So I'm that person that God has to just slam the door and completely shut on me <laughs> yeah. for me to get it. It's like, wham, no, I don't want you doing that. Um, so I think now I'm trying to be more aware when mm -hmm. I'm in those moments and be more intentional about avoiding stuck places mm -hmm. or honestly, I'm still in some stuck places, but avoiding staying there too long. Yeah. Like, okay. You, we, we're not going to do this for a year. <laughs> yeah. You take your few days and move <laughs> on. But I think we have to be aware of that and then be intentional about moving forward. Um, I'm able to rest now. So that's, now, at the beginning of this, I didn't have that rest. I'll be honest, because things were looking scary. But my coping mechanism was starting a prayer group with my family. That's one of the things, probably the biggest things that's helped me mm -hmm. get through this season of scariness. This is the, the, the ooh, it was doing the most yeah. during this season. But I found places of rest mm. in that, and I was able to help others find that place. So for me is okay. Remember to get in that place for the next time. Cause there is a next time coming. Yeah. And you'll be prepared for it, but yeah, finding those coping mechanisms and they're different for everyone, but find what it is that will bring you peace. Cause you can still have peace even in the midst of the storm or in the midst of crisis, but you got to be intentional about or and aware of what's going on and then be able to quickly rally those negative thoughts, turn them off, Right. To something positive and then intentionally move forward. So that's awesome. So what final advice would you have for listeners, those who may be struggling with unemployment or struggling with some other storm or crisis um, to really, you know, dig down and move forward? How can they do that? Um, one thing that comes to mind is you, you're going to see the facts. Mm hmm. And the facts are out there. You're going to see the facts, but don't dwell on the facts. Dwell on the truth. And truth says that um, I can do all things through Christ. Mm -hmm. Just because things are bad and we will go through it, but it's something about going through it with him versus going through it without him. And that's where I'm able to rest. Yeah. Um, connect with people who can walk alongside you. That's This is not the time to be around, again, the negative Nancys. But people that speak life, speak life to yourself, even when you don't believe it. I mean, there were mm -hmm. times that I was quoting stuff to myself, um, mm -hmm. waking up in the morning, you're great. I didn't feel great. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I'm going to get something in the mail, but speaking it because mm -hmm. the brain doesn't know what the mouth keep the mouth. There's a lot of life in the tongue. 
speak life, mm -hmm. be around yeah. people who speak life. Um, that's the time to dig in. That's not, unfortunately, sometimes we, we shy away from prayer and studying scriptures when these hard times come, but that's the time to dig in. Even yeah. if you read, read one verse a day, dig in and hold on to what God said. That's yeah. been helpful for me. How can listeners connect with you? I am only on Facebook. That keeps down my stress. So they can <laughs> reach out to me on Facebook at Dilwani Tate, or I'll share my um, email address and they can connect with me that way. Okay. So Dilwani Tate on Facebook. And um, and then what's your email address? It's actually my name, Diawani Tate at gmail.com. All right. And Diawani is D-I-O-W-A-N-N-I Tate at gmail.com. So there you have it. You can connect with her on Facebook or um, email. She'd love to, you know, give you some encouraging words or um, lessons learned from her journey or just pray with you. Thank you so much, Diawani, for taking this time to share your story with us and your journey. And I know the best is still yet to come, that God is not finished with his work yet. So we pray continued blessings over you and your life. And thanks again for sharing these moments with us. It was great to be here and thank you for all you do. All right. Well, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Invite a friend, share this message out, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.